Welcome to Taking the Higher Road, a driver reach and freight waves production. I'm Leah Shaver, president and CEO of the National Transportation Institute. In Jeremy's absence, I'm excited to be back with you to host another exceptional leader on the podcast today. On this show, we interview industry experts and thought leaders who bring their insight to the driver life cycle as we discuss the industry's greatest challenges, driver recruiting and retention. Your feedback is very important to us and your kind reviews keep us on the hunt for more great talent to put in front of you. Please remember to rate and review Taking the Higher Road on whatever platform you are using to listen. All of us in our industry know the demands of working in a trucking company every day can carry a fair bit of stress. That's not to say our jobs aren't rewarding and aren't fantastic careers or that we don't appreciate and enjoy what we do. But it also doesn't mean that the stressors of day-to-day, week-to-week, etc., do not take their toll. And then, at the end of the day, we all take off our trucking hat and put on a parent hat, a spouse hat, a caregiver hat, and show up each and every day and night to be present, dedicated, devoted to those most important in our lives, including ourselves. That is a lot to balance, and it can leave us with little to no time to show up, and make sure we're taking care of ourselves physically and mentally. So take a deep breath and settle in to talk about just that, being mindful of the stressors that we carry at work and home, and to learn how to develop and practice self-care routines that help us bring our very best selves to our jobs, our families, every single day. With that intro, I am thrilled to welcome Eileen Dabrowski, an expert in learning and development and an enthusiastic transportation leader to chat with us on today's episode of Taking the Higher Road. Eileen, you bring such a brilliant mind and big heart to our industry. Welcome to the show. I'm really glad that you are here. Thank you so much for having me, Leah. I'm pumped to talk about one of my favorite things in the whole world that I think we can all collectively agree we all need to do a little bit better at. You know, and I would say we think about that, especially during the holiday season, too. Uh, Well, to set the stage for the conversation and give our audience some background, you and I have spent several hours in video calls and in person over the last few months talking about the topic of self-care and why it's so important for those in the industry, particularly in demanding roles like fleet leadership, recruiting and retention roles, to acknowledge the need to show vulnerability to advocate for yourself and to make sure you're mindful of your mental and physical health so that you can be your very best self for others. You put together a panel discussion at the Women in Trucking Accelerate Conference in early November, where I, along with two other women in the industry, opened up, led with some vulnerability and shared our personal experiences about trying to juggle the demands of business and the demands of life and how we can strive to show care for ourselves through all of that. To start the conversation, let's define that term, self-care. Despite some of the more colloquial uses of the term self-care, it doesn't necessarily mean just spending a day in front of Netflix, right? It's deeper and different than that. So give us your definition of self-care and your thoughts on why it's important. Yeah, so great question. I think self-care and what the one thing everyone needs to remember about self-care is that it's designed to be incredibly personal and subjective. So for example, I'm knocking on 40's door, how I engage in self-care at 40 looks completely different than how I engaged in self-care at 20. When I bounced back a little quicker, when I hurt less getting out of bed and things like that. And you know, a lot of people resort to self-care equals doing cardio four times a week. 
that might be part of your self-care, but self-care combines, uh, combines seven different pillars, I like to call them. And physical is one of them, but mental, psychological, social, there's a million out there, but you have to look at yourself kind of holistically the same way that we look at wellness holistically. And, you know, especially when we're thinking about truck drivers who literally are responsible for everything we eat, touch, drink, use, wear, encounter on a daily basis, self-care needs to be looked at in an even kind of more subjective level because that physical component often gets removed. Now, self-care should be defined by the person themselves, not by their company or the truck they drive or the job they wear. And I know we're gonna get more into hats and roles a little bit later, but it has to be about what is best for that person at that time and at that moment in their lives. And we have to be okay with the fact that it's never gonna be perfect. If anybody comes to us and is like, I'm done with self-care, I'm crushing it. It's kind of like a relationship or a dating, you know, whether you're married, a new relationship, friendship, if you don't nurture it, it's not going to grow. And when you think you've gotten self-care to a point that is good for you as a human, that's when you should nurture it because it doesn't just last forever. You have to constantly work at it like you do a relationship. Now, why it's important, think about our industry, 24-7, 365, every hour of every day. And if we don't take care of ourselves, how can we take care of others? Well, now that we have the term self-care defined, let's just take one quick step back for just a moment and learn a little bit more about you. Like so many in our industry, you found yourself here in trucking. You didn't necessarily seek it out originally in your career. But you've been open with me that is now where you want to stay. And like for so many of us, trucking's kind of in your veins now. So give us the quick background on you, on your career, on Read TMS, and about what you do now at Werner. Yeah, so I don't think many people wake up, you know, as a child and think, I'm going to work in the trucking industry, and it's going to be the best thing that ever happened to me. I know that's not what happened to me. Um, I came from academia, so I used to work in higher education. I wore a lot of hats there. Um, I was an emergency responder, victim advocate, crisis counselor. And I taught college students how to safely intervene to prevent sexual violence on college campuses. So if you can do that, you can teach people about trucking. Um, but I got this phone call in 2016 from a man named Jason Reed. And he said, Eileen, we found you on LinkedIn. We have no training. We want you to come into Reed TMS and build our training program from the ground up. And I asked him point blank. I was like, look, all I know about trucks is that they're bigger than me and that they're on the road. Why do you want somebody like me? And he's like, you know how to teach humans. We can teach you trucking, then you can teach other humans about trucking. And he convinced me. I made the jump in 2016. I've been here ever since. And I built what was organically Reed TMS's uh, entire training program from the ground up. So in my role at Reed, I trained and onboarded every new human, regardless of what they do. So from truck driver to dispatcher to driver recruiter to somebody who books freight to account management, customer facing sales, prospecting, you name it. And then I do soft skills, leadership, training, DEI, you name it. I have my hands in it. Um, and for a, a long time, especially during COVID, I also inherited all of our marketing functions as well. So press releases, awards, social media, 
um, all of that. Uh, about a year ago, we were acquired by Warner Enterprises. So Read TMS is now under that Warner Enterprises family. And, you know, while we're still, you know, in the middle of this integration, my purpose for existing remains the same. How can I support and develop humans so they can be the best version of themselves? Um, I think for the rest of my life, I hope to stay in this industry and I hope for the rest of my life to be focused on helping people work smarter, not harder, better supporting truck drivers, leading with empathy, compassion, creating safe and inclusive, you know, cultures, things like that. So I've definitely fallen in love. Can't imagine doing anything else. Building on you and your expertise a little bit further, you're an expert in learning and development. Our show, Taking the Higher Road, focuses on recruiting and retention. That's our core audience group. So let's bridge these two topics. Recruiters are often the face of our company, especially for drivers. Recruiters are the frontline sales team, so to speak. How do you apply your expertise in a company for those frontline salespeople and recruiters or develop their engagement tools for those who are in a driver recruiting role? I'm so glad you asked, Leah, because I think that's something a lot of humans forget. They treat recruitment and working with truck drivers as totally different tasks. Let's just get them in the door. And I think it goes way, way, way back from that. So I'm a firm believer that a recruiter should know exactly what it is to be a truck driver. Maybe you haven't, you don't have your CDL. Maybe you don't, you know, have a ton of experience, but have you at least done some ride-alongs? Have you sat with a truck driver from start to finish? Do you understand kind of the pressures, what it's like to be in a truck for whatever the duration of that job that you're recruiting for entails? Do you know what it's like to interact with the shippers and receivers? Do you know what it's like to get phone calls or for people to cut you off on the road, even though you're driving a massive semi? I think until you can truly understand what that's like and what a day in the life of a truck driver looks like, you're not going to be able to truly effectively sell that role. And I think that's one of the biggest gap that's, gaps that exist in our industry is the gap between understanding what it's actually like and what it's like. So I hear it from our truck drivers. I wish they truly understood what I go through. And one of the things that uh, we've done here is everybody sits through training regardless of your experience. Everybody rotates through different jobs. Everybody goes out and learns about truck safety and talks to our truck drivers and does ride-alongs and things like that because it makes you better at your job. It's no different than equipping somebody in a sales customer-facing role to understand what somebody in an operational role does and goes through. And in my opinion, a great way to kind of end up on my very short naughty list is to be rude to a truck driver because you could be the only human to be kind to them in a single day. And, and that is something that profoundly needs to change in our industry. And I think it starts with education. So I'm happy to kind of use what I went to school for a million years to do to help people better support truck drivers because without them, we have nothing. All right, let's get back to the main topic of the day, self-care. A major theme that you focused on in our panel discussion at Accelerate takes into consideration understanding one's identity or even identities. And then the next step is understanding all of the different quote hats you wear, AKA the different roles that we play throughout the day. 
I'm going to add and night as the parent of a baby, parent, caregiver, spouse, partner, single, uh, leader, manager, trainer, coach, truck driver, friend, provider, the list goes on and on. Talk about those for our audience and tell us about the concepts and how they so they are the, the foundation of the topic of self-care and how acknowledging our different identities and hats helps us to better complete our tasks get our job done while considering the well-being of our employees, our peers, and our leadership. Yeah, so I think you have to start by doing, you know, one of the most uncomfortable things for us to do as humans. Turn that mirror around and truly look at who we are and how we move through the world. So the reason I started my definition of self-care with its subjective and personal is because every human on this earth is different from one another. And that's what makes the diversity present in the transportation and trucking industry wonderful and why I love it so much. So you have to think about things like, what type of household was I born to into? Single parent, dual income, LGBTQ+, grandparent as caregiver. What country was I born in? What language do I speak? What cultural aspects do I have to my identity that make me move through the world differently? What is my sexual identity, orientation, and expression? What is my socioeconomic status? What language do I speak? Think about the nuances that exist between language and syntax that a lot of people just don't understand. Translating things in trucking, doesn't. there's not always the exact words and even that makes self-care difficult. And that's just some of it. Spirituality, religious beliefs or lack thereof. I don't know if you're anybody on the call is familiar with uh, the visibility line, it's, it's an iceberg and you can only see this much of a person's diversity. I, I love that because it's so true. We can't judge a book by it, its cover anymore. And in our industry, or especially over the phone when we're communicating with truck drivers. So it's important to get to know people beyond that. Now that's just identity, how we move through the world, our values. Then we have the different hats or roles we wear. Are we a spouse or a partner? Are we single? Are we a caregiver to a little human, an older human, <laughs> our aged human, animals, mul multiples? Some of us have little humans and animals, you know, and vice versa. Um, what responsibilities do we wear? Do we have friendships? Do we have volunteer efforts, philanthropy? All of these things contribute to how we can engage in self-care. And I think that's one of the things that people get hung up on. They see somebody else who's crushing it on social media or who just seems like they have their life together because they, they have a six pack or they're glowing. I've kind of accepted. I've earned my gray hairs. I've earned some tiredness because sometimes I am tired. And I think one of the things that I was taught growing up is you don't show vulnerability because it makes us weak. And I have learned to kind of completely respectfully disagree with that. Because if we don't talk about the things that make us human, how can we be stronger together and support one another? So let's build on that point about wearing many hats. 
uh, we wear the hats during the day and then we come home and we put on even more hats and maybe the first hats continue, uh, if you're like me, um, often simultaneously, you know, in, in the home. So what does self-care look like for that? And what are some tangible things that folks can do when, again, we're wearing many hats and they may overlap in, uh, in periods of the day and night? Yeah, I think anybody who tells me they perfectly compartmentalize work and home, I'm either going to be like you are one of a kind or you maybe need to do some like inward reflection because <laughs> I just don't think it's totally possible. Um, although that should be the goal um, to turn off. So I think step number one is kind of acknowledging the lack of perfection. You're never going to get it just right. And the other thing people don't understand about self-care, you know, it's kind of like somebody saying a statement like, I'm going to quit eating all carbs. If you figure that out, please share with me how to do that. Um, but I think it's about small micro steps that can have a big impact. So self-care for people who have young children at home might be a five minute I'm going to disappear into a closet where it's quiet and I can just sit by myself for five minutes, or I'm going to use the restroom by myself, or I'm going to take time and I'm going to go for a walk around the building where I work, or maybe I'm going to just physically get up and step away from my desk. Maybe self-care for me is I love to read. I'm a huge nerd. I love to learn. Um, so I read every night before I go to bed. And sometimes I read for self-help purposes. Sometimes I read fiction. Sometimes I read a leadership book, but it is my way of kind of shutting down. The other thing you have to kind of keep in mind is how are you going to communicate your self-care plan to the different parts of your life? So whether it's your spouse, your human, your animals, sometimes I have to tell my dogs that I need a, a moment away from them. How, how are you going to communicate with all of the ways that you're a leader. Leadership doesn't just get turned off at 5 p.m. or 6 p.m. So how do you make yourself available for your team, but also support your family? And I think it's a very much a, a juggling act. I'm a firm believer in using your calendar. So I build in breaks. I build in learning time. I might not always do it, but I at least make the effort. And then I acknowledge when I have a miss. Because again, I'm not perfect, I'm human. Well, let's talk for a minute about boundaries because you're talking about juggling them, communicating them, understanding them, establishing them, asserting them. Um, it's a vital part of what we're talking about around self-care. So tell us what it means to acknowledge those boundaries and then keep them, particularly in relation to practicing self-care. Yeah, so I think boundaries, again, just like uh, self-care needs to be subjective. The boundaries I had as a 30-year-old are different than they are today. And the other thing that I think I, I have learned over time is you need to give yourself the okay to be vulnerable with the people in your life. So the best example I can give you, I have learned, a mentor of mine told me many years ago, if you wake up on the wrong side of the bed, or life, because sometimes, let's be honest, life isn't always kind to all of us, always. Sometimes we have a day that we just cannot bounce back. And what I learned to do many years ago was send a text to everybody that kind of has to interact with me, especially first thing in the morning. It's not my strength. I'm more of like a solid 9 a.m. type girl, not a 5 a.m. type girl. I know this about myself. I try not to schedule really profound things first thing in the morning. That's step one. 
know your strengths and know your opportunities. Um, but by warning my team, hey, I just want you to know I woke up on the wrong side of the bed today, or I have some life stuff going on. If I seem off, I don't want you to think it's you. What that does is it creates the stage for, for me to be okay at having an off day. I've given myself kind of a free pass to be a human, which I hate that we have to do, but sometimes we do, especially if you're typically an outgoing person. And then step number two, I've protected the people that I interact with by letting them know it's not about them. Because when we don't communicate with humans about what we need and what we're going through, we humans often, and I'm one of them, I will automatically assume the worst. Oh my gosh, I did something yesterday. I was, you know, snarky. I needed to eat a sandwich. So I got a little crabby, whatever that looks like. But if you tell humans it's about you, they don't make up a story. And I think that's particularly profound as a leader. And the other example I'm going to give you, um, I'm married to the best human on the planet, I think. No offense. I know you're also married, Leah. So I'm sure to a phenomenal human, but I truly am incredibly fortunate. But I'm a very independent person and I'm married to a very codependent person. So I have had to learn to kind of pivot. And when I come home and I've had a hell of a day, old me used to just march to, you know, the wine collection, pick up some grapes that I'm going to have for dinner and try to find a better attitude in a bathtub or <laughs> put myself out. Because in my head, I was like, I'm taking care of myself and my family that way. To my spouse's perspective, I was breaking up, I'm leaving, <laughs> I'm done, because I didn't communicate. And that's the really interesting thing about self-care and communication and boundaries. It's fluid and you have to evolve over the course of your life. One of my favorite moments in our panel, Leah, was that you and another panelist counteracted each other with your version of how you engage in self-care around work travel travel. Are you comfortable giving us a little bit of your perspective on that? Sure. So um, I I have regular speaking engagements uh, to the tune of over a four month period. In the, the most recent four months, I had a speaking engagement every two weeks. Um, now that I'm a mom to a baby, instead of attending every full event or, um, you know, being gone at, for a three day conference for four day conference in the past experience, um, I might come in and and go out on the same day or I always have prioritized uh, being home within 24 hours. So that can mean a 19 hour day for me to ensure that I'm there when my kid wakes up the next morning. But uh, for me, it's been a true priority and, and it has felt like something that was necessary. So work travel, um, you know, absolutely vital for my role and um, not only at, in my company, but in the industry but also so important to balance that at home. Conversely, um, my counterpart on the panel, Camille, she when she travels, she might cushion an extra day away and literally to the tune of locking herself in the room, uh, you know, ordering delivery, uh, reading, um, just truly taking care of herself for quite a while while having total privacy and just enjoying a moment of peace for herself. And it was so profound to me because it, it, it reiterated that point of like self-care is different for people, 
based on those roles and the hats we wear and how we move through the world and our responsibilities. And, and I think we're, we don't talk about it enough. So thank you. Well, and thank you for bringing it all to the forefront. Um, I want to share also some perspective from professional drivers um, in that boundaries mean different things to different people and particularly while wearing different hats. So the example is uh, in our panel, we also had a professional driver, Kaylee McCall. She's not only the driver, a driver for Schneider, she's a trainer. Um, new drivers ride and drive with her and learn the job. And then on top of this, she's also the driver ambassador for women in trucking. So that takes her to shows. Um, there are travel and speaking engagements on webcasts, writing blogs. Her discussion about boundaries really struck me because when she trains women, they stay in the truck with her. And when she trains men, they each get their own hotel room. So one boundary that she's established for herself is she doesn't train two women back to back. Not because she doesn't know just how many women are on the list wanting a female trainer, but because she needs that time to decompress, to um, you know have some time to herself, to reestablish her own truly physical boundaries in the space provided or in a hotel room. Um, an example I gave on the panel was, you know, really having to be intentional about carving time out for my son every day and on a weekly basis. So let's talk about that concept, different boundaries for different people at different times of their day. What does that mean to you and, and to our listeners? Yeah. So, so again, remember, I'm giving everybody who's listening and everybody out there, it's okay to be human. And in fact, we should celebrate being human. And by being human, it means we need to take breaks and we need to have conversations. And, you know, a lot of people say, well, it's just not, not a thing at my company, or it's not a thing for my dispatcher, or it's not a thing for the people in my life. And, and I think it starts by kind of acknowledging the reason it's not a thing is because we don't talk about it. And, especially in the transportation trucking industry. In higher education, it was almost celebrated to, to create boundaries and to turn it off if you weren't on call that night or to, and then I came here and people almost got like a cookie or like a gold star for, for not taking breaks and for being on call 24 seven and staying late and coming in early. And, and I, ran myself into the ground when I first started uh, in a pretty profound way. Similar to how a lot of people get sick during the academic semester, just because you run yourself into the ground. So I think it starts with kind of acknowledging our own limitations. Think about things like your health. And I mean health holistically, your physical health, your mental health, your responsibilities at home and at work. Taking care of other humans is an incredibly taxing moment. So for example, for anybody who's a leader on the call, try not to schedule all your one-on-ones on the same day. We tend to like group our responsibilities or our check-ins with the humans that count on us close together because we pick the day that's slowest so we don't get interrupted. I really challenge you to look at your week holistically and to think about how can I spread out the emotional kind of heart-heavy empathy work. Because I want to give every human who asks to meet with me or who I need to meet with my full attention. And I think the thing that we don't talk about is if we don't take care of ourselves, we struggle to take care of others. And women, especially disproportionately, tend to fall into that trap. Even though it's about to be 2024, we still, what's for dinner? 
is the dry cleaning or laundry done while working, while taking care of other humans, you know, we still kind of have a lot of those historical gender roles still playing a part. So look at your week. What are those moments of sanity look like for you? And think about the things that relax you, calm you. I told you for me, it's reading. For some people that might be the furthest thing from self-care because that's not how they engage in it. And that's okay. Listen to music, go for a walk, call a friend, not because you need something, but because they make you happier, they make you smile. And that's particularly important for truck drivers. Think about it, 14 hours on, maybe 10 off, a break, and you're in a box, essentially. That to me, of all the people that we should be focusing self-care and better supporting is truck drivers because they sacrifice a lot for us and very few people aside from NTI and Leah and a few others talk about the mental and holistic well-being of truck drivers. So setting those boundaries for drivers, we need the Kayleys of the world to talk about that. Here's what I do. I meal prep. I don't schedule back-to-back female trainers. I call my family every day at the same time, whatever that looks like, and stick to our schedules. Well, I, I just want to add to what you said that um, it's there's an awareness component that's necessary from the individual to be able to identify this is something that takes away from my own self-care uh, while caring for others. Um, in whatever role that you're in, you you mentioned the leadership role and one-on-ones not all being stacked up in one day, um, primarily because you need to be able to give emotional energy, aka empathy, to every individual on your team. Uh, likewise, a driver needs to know exactly how they thrive, when they thrive, in what environment, and in what way in order to give to their trainees. And so all this together is a point that you brought up, which is that self-care is not selfish. Um, and it's something that also, you know, in an industry that that runs 24-7, 365, truly does take not only self-awareness, but empathy. Agreed? Did I learn something from you? Was that a, a good regurgitation? Okay. Very good. She, I get an A this week, everybody. Hopefully uh, you will too after this session. Um, okay, so let's end with this. What needs to change in our industry? Uh, I'm going to share what I said on the panel, and then, of course, I want to hear from you. Um, my response to this question is that we need to talk more about new entrant drivers that come into the industry. Um, even in this environment, people, where we have plenty of drivers operating, it's still a career that we want to encourage. And Eileen mentioned early uh, she, you know, people don't think I'm going to become a truck driver or I'm going to work in trucking in the future, but they should. They really should. And if, if I'm doing my job right, they, they will. Um, but that said, you know, new entrant drivers coming into the industry, the idea that they have to earn their stripes. In trucking speak, it means that starting out in the toughest jobs, the toughest schedules, away from home, not for days, but for weeks, if not months. And all of this during a time with the lowest wages in the industry, typically. Mm -hmm. So the way I see it is we're never going to grow or make strides in growing the number of women that enter the industry, especially mothers and those of childbearing age, or to retain new drivers, whether they're male or female, if that's the exposure that we force them into because they chose to be a truck driver. It really should be the opposite. 
Now you chose, you know, to become a truck driver. Let's make you feel welcome, show you how great our jobs and career are and the variety of opportunities. But the, um, while those opportunities exist, they typically don't in terms of, of variety for new entrants. So uh, that's my answer. What is yours that needs to change? Uh, so for one, really in-depth training for everybody involved in that recruitment, onboarding, support process. You have to truly understand what it's like to live the life of a truck driver so you can know how to support them. Um, setting clear expectations. If it is not the most glamorous job, then we need to advertise it exactly what it is and focus on some of the other redeeming, wonderful things about your company or about driving for that account or whatever that looks like. Um, getting people in the door is only step number one. Step number two should be, how can I keep those fantastic humans in this industry? And, and the, we live in a world of referrals. So if people are happy, they're going to tell everyone else about it. So I think it starts with that. And then the other thing that needs to change is uh, we all need to be stop, you know, stop becoming martyrs. We need to celebrate people taking their PTO. And, and even on PTO, think about how simple it is to not just assign everyone the same holidays. Trucking is so diverse and that's what makes us wonderful. But we can't assume that everyone celebrates the same things or needs the same time off or becomes a parent in the same way. <laughs> so, so how can we support humans? Give them floating holidays. Hey, everybody gets this amount of holidays. Let's talk about it as a team. And organically, you kind of hope that you've surrounded yourself with enough diversity that you don't have to worry about coverage because people celebrate and mean holidays mean different things. And I think we need to surround ourselves with people who are going to be solid accountability partners, strong mentorships uh, that are going to kind of call us on it when we're not taking care of ourselves and when we're becoming that. I'm going to run myself into the ground because it's the only way I feel like I can grow. Our industry isn't going to change unless we force it to change. And I feel like I've only been here a few years since 2016, and it's already changed beautifully in a lot of ways, but we still have a lot of work to go. So talk about it, engage in self-care, use your PTO, celebrate when other people do the same. And I, I feel we'll support each other as humans better. The floating uh, holiday is a great concept and one that might help solve another issue that was brought up in our panel discussion. And that is that many times management tracks also require uh, shifts that get in the way of childcare at home. And so how do we um, accelerate, particularly women, if they are of childbearing age um, and child rearing, frankly, if they also have a conflicting shift for work. And so we've often said pull together and divvy up the workload, um, you know, moms with moms accordingly so that you can support each other in getting the job done and getting kids picked up from daycare, for example. So um, your idea augments, um, as usual, we're on the same page, Eileen. And I, I think it would be a really good fit. Um, I, I want to thank you for joining us. What a great conversation, important topic that you've brought to a, a, you know, a beautiful conference and also to our industry, something for all of us to explore and prioritize. Thank you, Eileen. Thank you. 
Thank you for joining me on another episode of Taking the Higher Road. Remember that you can submit questions and comments, including those that appear in an upcoming Deeper Dive segment at podcast at driverreach.com. Don't forget to rate and review Taking the Higher Road on whatever platform you listen or watch. And until next time, thank you for taking the higher road.